welcome to creating wealth through passive apartment investing podcast in this show we will discuss about best and worst experiences about passive and active apartment investing and i am your host ramakrishna let's begin the show today's our guest is kent ritter from hudson investing welcome kent hey rama how are you i'm doing well kent how about you I'm doing great and uh, happy to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Sure, sure. A little bit about Kent. Kent is a former startup owner and corporate executive turned real estate investor. After achieving his own personal financial freedom, he is now on a mission to give others control of their financial future while making a positive social impact by providing modern affordable housing for America's workforce. Kent believes that good investing starts with education, so he hosts a successful podcast called Return on Real Estate, where he interviews the pros to teach you how to invest like a pro. Additionally, Kent hosts a monthly multifamily investing meeting in his hometown of Indianapolis. With that, Kent, would you like to add anything to your background? I mean, I think that's a pretty good start from there. And, uh, you know, we'll probably uh, dig in a little bit more. I mean, the, the only thing that, that I would say is, you know, really from, you know, transitioning from corporate role, you know, into being a real estate investor, uh, really what was a monumental shift in, in my life and really has brought, you know, that financial freedom that we talked about, which has allowed me as a father to, to three young kids to just have the ability to, to spend that time with them and really be present with them and, you know, not be traveling all the time for work. Like, like I would have been. And uh, so it really has been just quite a shift in, in my life and provided you know, a ton of benefits out, outside of even, even the financial. Got it. So I just want to elaborate a little bit more, dig deep into that. So what is financial freedom means for you and how did you achieve your financial freedom? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I feel like financial freedom get, gets thrown around a lot these days, it's kind of uh, you know, it's kind of a buzzword, and then it kind of it's kind of uh, something that's become a little overused, right? It kind of loses its its meaning. But uh, you know, to me, it's really about having that time freedom more than anything else. I mean, I think the financial freedom is just a, a means, you know, to free up your time and, and have the freedom to do do whatever you like. And for me, that was really a desire to to just be present with my new family and and be able to be the the husband of father that that I wanted to be which was somebody that was around somebody that could you know go to all the recitals and the games and and be active and and not be you know tied to a desk all day somewhere in an office but be, you'd be able to you know cut out at, at two o'clock if it's uh if it's a nice day outside take the kids to the park th- things like that I mean that freedom of choice of what to do with your time that flexibility is really what what drove me and uh, and it, it's just it's been a great experience uh, ever since I was able to, to leave my w2 beginning of uh, 2020. Awesome. Thank you. So what are the different alternative options to achieve financial freedom? So for me, the path was, you know, began really in 2015 when I sold my partners and I sold our business. And from there, you know, I had some, some capital from selling the business and, and I didn't know exactly where I wanted to invest it. I mean, I knew I wanted to invest it, didn't know where, I knew I didn't want to have all my money in the stock market because I didn't want to have all my eggs in one basket. Um, so I started looking for alternatives. And as I was you know, doing my research on, on different alternative investments, really real estate was the thing that checked all the boxes for me. You know, real estate had a cash flow component, right, to supplement 
my current income, it had that appreciation component, you know, so you're seeing that growth and, and that appreciation had, had run, uh, really run higher than the stock market over, you know, recent history. And so I felt that was a positive and then also had a tax savings component. So all those things really coming together made real estate the area that I wanted to focus. And then as I continued to learn, you know, just fell in love with multifamily for a number of reasons. And, but I really started as a passive investor. So when I got to that point, you know, I knew it was, it's a, a complicated process. I knew there was a lot that I didn't know. And there was probably a whole heck of a lot that I didn't even know I didn't know yet. Right. And so I started out as a passive investor wanting to gain experience from other more experienced sponsors and be able to see behind the curtain, ask those questions and start to really understand the process. And so that was the first step for me. And I did that for about three years, just invested passively with others, gained experience before you know, at the end of 2019, completed my first active, active syndication and acquisition. Got it. And would you like to share any of your passive investing tips? Yeah. Yo, so passive investing tips. And, and this is really, that's what's at the heart of my own podcast, the Ritter on Real Estate podcast. Our tagline is passively invest like a pro. And so that's really kind of core to, to what I try to educate on. And and a lot of it is exactly like we're, we're saying from the lessons I learned as a passive investor and some of the positive and negative experiences I had. So, so the first one is, you know, it all starts with the sponsor. It all starts with the sponsor. A good sponsor can save a bad deal and a bad sponsor can kill a good deal. And so you've got to make sure that you're taking the time to really vet the sponsor. And I'll share a little bit about my experience. My The second investment that, that I ever made into real estate was on a crowdfunding site. And I went out and, and found, you know, found a property, on the crowdfunding site, you know, it's Houston multifamily. I was like, you know, that looks great. This was like 2015. And, uh, you know, so I invested in it without really doing any due diligence, trusting that the due diligence was happening, you know, somewhere with the site, you know, somebody was doing it. And what happened was the, the sponsor actually, uh, he committed fraud in that deal. And, and we all, we lost our returns or we lost our, our initial investment, excuse me. And, you know, that was really a punch in the gut for me. It was really a, a learning moment. I'd call it, it was a, you know, kind of paid education of how important that sponsor is and how important, you know, understanding the level of integrity of that sponsor, right? Somebody that's going to do the right thing, even when nobody's looking. And, and so that's been a huge lesson learned for me. And, and I know integrity is a tough thing to, to vet out, but I think it starts at a minimum by having, you know, at least speaking with the sponsor, you know, having some conversations with them, getting to know them over a little bit of time, seeing what they're putting out on social media, you know, both from a business and a, and a personal standpoint, right? It's a great window into people's lives. And, and yeah, and just taking some time, I think, to get to know the sponsor. Is, is critical and making sure it's somebody that in your gut you feel uh, is the right person to be investing with and someone that, that you resonate with and, and that your goals are aligned. So that's that's a big one. You know, I think the other is from a passive investor standpoint, just making sure that you're, you know, even though it's passive, making sure that you, that you are, you know, somewhat active in the process, that you are, you know, looking at the financials that you're being sent, you know, that you you are, you know, hold, holding the sponsor accountable and that, that you're asking good questions and not just trusting, you know, what's going on, but, but also verifying. I think that that's really important in, in any investment, right? You, you have, you have to be active somewhat in the process. Right. And thank you. Thanks for elaborating and sharing your, your experiences. That's great. And would you share more about the positive social impact of multifamily property investing? 
Yeah, Rama. No, I'd love to. I mean, that's a topic that's really important to me. I think that, so for context, the the type of properties that I invest in, it's workforce housing. So it, it's folks that I would say are are making between typically from a family income standpoint, you know, 40 to $60,000 a year, you know, it can dip a little less at times depending on the market, but it, it's people that, you know, largely are renters by necessity versus by choice, you know, largely will be lifetime renters, um, especially as housing costs continue to increase. And so really there, there's just, there's an issue in this country where we have a lack of clean, affordable housing for those folks. A lot of the properties where those, those people are living, if it's, you know, now more or kind of aging properties, properties that are now, you know, 30, 40, 50 years old. A lot of those properties aren't, aren't upkept, you know, maybe the owner just doesn't have the capital to, to continue to put it into the property, you know? And so first and foremost, I think when we come in and do our process, which is really coming in and improving those properties like that, you know, improving the interiors, modernizing them, bringing them up to code from a safety standpoint, you know, we, we have a project in uh, just outside of Dayton, Ohio, where where we've had to replace, you know, all of the the meter boxes on the outside of the property, bringing the electrical up to code because there there was you know risk of fire. So making the property safer, adding LED lighting, things like that to to improve the safety of the property. And I think there really is a social impact there. I, you know, I think in providing housing, like I, like I said, to America's workforce, right, the people that are out there, you know, allowing our economy to to go around every day and making sure that they have a, a safe and uh, and comfortable place. To to go home at night. Yeah, so true on adding value to the community. So, and what is your investment philosophy, Kent? Well, so I really, my strategy is focused on really what I think of it as kind of bucking the trends and trying to go, you know, if everybody's turning left, I want to turn right. So what I focus on is you know, small to, to medium-sized multifamily properties throughout the Midwest in, in secondary and tertiary markets. So, you know, a lot of people these days are, are hunting for property in the Southeast or out West in places like, like Texas, Arizona. Uh, those are highly competitive markets in those markets. It's difficult to buy at the right price, which, which is really when you make your money in a property is, is when you buy, because that, that's your, that determines what your basis in that is in that property, right? And the more you spend to buy it, the more you have to sell it for on, on the other side. And and so if you can come in and buy at a relative value, buy at a higher cap rate in a market like the Midwest, because cap rates just haven't caught up with some of those more competitive markets. If you can lower your competition because it's just not a, not a sexy market or, or it's not the, you know, hitting the top 10 list of the places to invest, you can again, buy at a relative value because competition pushes prices up. So really my philosophy is focus on properties that kind of fly under the radar of the biggest groups out there, the REITs, the institutions, right? Lowering the competition. And, and find properties that are you know mismanaged, undercapitalized, like I talked about, where there's a story to the property. There's a deficiency that we know we can come in and solve. And in doing that, we can create a ton of value, right? So it's finding these kind of diamond in the rough properties, largely from mom and pop owners, right? Folks who who maybe have a full-time job and manage the property on the side um, and just don't have the, the management expertise uh, or the desire to really manage for, to maximize the, the income and the profit versus just making sure the property is 100% full, right? Like that's often a scenario we find where 
property is 100% occupied, but it's, you know, 100 to $200 below the market in rent because, you know, the person hasn't raised rent in, in two to three years. And so those are scenarios where we know we can immediately come in and add value without it, without a heavy lift, because the heavier the lift, again, it increases your risk on the property. So it's really about finding those situations where there's a clear value add. Got it. And thank you. Thanks for sharing your philosophy. So how are you leveraging technology to add value to multifamily? Yeah, in a lot of ways, I think there's a huge opportunity to continue to to invest in technology in the multifamily space. I mean, we're lagging behind a lot of other industries and, and a lot of even a lot of other sectors within real estate. You know, some of the ways where we've been where we've been Im implementing technology on our properties is one from from an infrastructure standpoint, um, actually running fiber optics to the property and allowing our residents to, to have fiber optic internet and actually, you know, taking the position as really the internet service provider, uh, if you will, you know, for those residents and giving them, you know, it allows us to give them a better product because with fiber, you get, you know, high bandwidth, steady stream, you know, both upload and download, which is extremely important in the, the Zoom world that we live in now, this virtual world. We're able to give them a better product. We're able to give it to them at a lower price because we look at the market and we do a market survey and we say, okay, we want to come in, you know, 10 or $15, maybe below where the Comcast or Spectrums or, or whoever else of the world are, right? To really make it a no brainer for the resident. And it allows us to, to have the infrastructure and the bandwidth to, to do some of the other things uh, that we like to do on the property as far as putting in you know high definition security cameras putting smart locks on the property and and the smart locks really are the hardware that drive a lot of the other things uh, that we want to do we, we layer some software on top of that to, to add additional functionality but those smart locks really give you that ability to from management perspective to control access to the property remotely limit the amount of, of times your property manager has to be out there and be on site. And that, that really matters when you're running smaller properties that don't have an office and dedicated management. So, you know, with cameras, we give them the ability to, to view the property and keep track of the property remotely. With the smart locks, we give them the ability to control access to the property remotely. And, and then we layer on technology like a self-guided tour technology that actually allows someone to book online their own tour, schedule it, and come in and tour the property, you know, on their own schedule by themselves. And the way the technology works is it has, they have these geolocation beacons throughout the property. And so you set up your curated tour for the person all through an app on their phone. And as they walk through the property, it's telling them information about the property and, and, and it's designed, you know, you, you set it up. So it's like your best leasing person giving, you know, their best pitch on, on their best day every time. Right. And so as the person walks up to the fitness center, for example, it knows they're at the fitness center and says, welcome to the fitness center. Here's all the information about the fitness center. And it, it's really a positive experience for residents. Um, a lot of people like going through it on their own. It's a more relaxed experience. Uh, it allowed us to extend our leasing times beyond just when, when the property property manager is available and when the office is open, if, if it is a property with an office, um, people can come in from eight to eight, view at their own time. And so that's been a huge benefit. And it's been, it's allowed one positive prospect and resident experience, but also a big management efficiency. Got it. So what is the software tool you're using for self-guided tours? It's a product called Tour24. Okay. Thank you. And thank you for sharing the, the tools, I mean, the technology you're using. 
Yeah, absolutely. And there's just so many applications for technology. I mean, even beyond that's kind of one use case. That's this, you know, how do you have a make a better experience for the prospect? But when you even think about it, like from a management perspective, you know, they have there's things like leak water leak sensors, right? I mean, those can save you a, a ton of money where we've had experiences on property where we have a water leak. And in particular, one property, the water bill is billed, you know, every other month. So it's a two month cycle. So, you know, we didn't discover the leak at first until, you know, well into the billing cycle probably had been going on for three weeks or a month before we even knew about it. You know, tenant didn't, didn't report it. And that was a great lesson learned because, you know, had we have had those leak sensors in place at the time, it would have been something that, that we could identify right away. And so I think, you know, things like that, water is one of those things that, that can really make or break your investment from both a CapEx standpoint, but, but also from an operating expense standpoint. You know, if, you're, if your water bill is running two, three X, what you projected, it's going to be difficult to hit the, the income numbers that you want to hit. So I think, you know, things like that are, are great ways, additional ways to apply technology. Got it. Yeah. Thank you. And would you share like your process of raising capital? Sure. So, I mean, from a process standpoint, it, it's really similar to, I, I think, many syndicators. We do 506C deals, which, which are open only to accredited investors. But we also, you know, uh, we'll do a handful of 506B deals that, that are open to accredited, but also sophisticated investors and folks that, that I have a, a personal relationship with. So, you know, we're, we're allowing others to get into deals and get started because I think that's a really important, that's a really important piece to this. I think people, it's difficult to, to understand the value of investing in in an apartment syndication from the outside. I mean, people tell you that, tell you the returns. I tell people the returns. They say, no, that's too good to be true. It's too good to be true. And it's not really till they get into it so that they really understand all the values and all the ways that, that it creates, can create wealth. And so I think it's really important to get people into, into their first deal. And that's why we, we like to do that. From a process standpoint, you know, typically, uh, so you can go to my website, kentritter.com and you fill out the investor application and that really starts the process. And then what that, that leads to allowing you to schedule a meeting. And that's really where we start to, to build that relationship. You know, we have that first meeting, I understand your goals and your investment objectives so I can, you know, align you with the right types of investments because we have different deal profiles that come through. And from there, we, um, you know, depending on if you're accredited or not, we, we add you to the deal list and, and I'll send out an email typically to, to everyone saying, you know, here, here's the deal that's available and, and here's all the metrics and here's a presentation you can review. And then we'll host a webinar to talk about the deal. And really, I mean, that's the process and then available for, for one-on-one -on -one questions. And, you know, so you'll sign up, you'll do a soft reserve. So you'll, you'll basically hold your place in line and say, Hey, I'm interested and I'm interested for this amount. And and then you know, two to three weeks later in the process, once all the legal documents are created, we send out the offering packages, which includes a, a private placement memorandum, which essentially is, is like a 30 to 40 page document that outlines all of the risks in any investment. It's kind of the SEC boilerplate language, but then the specific pieces of, of our investment. So it's kind of the, the go-to for anything related to the investment, uh, including the operating agreements. And then, um, then the subscription agreement, which is essentially you're saying, okay, I'm, I'm going to give this much money. And for in return, I'm going to get X amount of shares in, in the LLC that owns the property. And, and that's all that LLC is there for is to own that property. And it's a vehicle in, in which we, we distribute ownership through shares. And uh, so you'll sign up and then, and then you'll wire your money to, to an escrow account, just like if you were buying a single family home. So the money goes to an escrow account that the title company holds. And at closing, the title company distributes all the funds, just like buying, buying a 
single family home essentially. And then, and then we're off to the races. We're off implementing the business plan. Awesome. And thank you. Thanks for sharing the process. And would you share any of your best multifamily investing experience so far? Yeah. I mean, we, we've had just a ton of, had just a lot of success over the past year with finding, you know, the, these type of type of properties that, that I described, you know, we, we have a couple of properties in Kentucky that have performed extremely well, you know, where, where we've come in and we've underwritten one property in particular, we came in and we, and we underwrote, you know, fairly conservatively, um, about $140 rent bump on the property, um, based on looking at, at, at what was happening in the surrounding market. And, you know, we purchased that property in March. Now it's the, the end of June. And we've been able to realize $200 rent bumps on on the renovated units on, on that property. And really all that we, the only, all that we've done on the property from an, an interior standpoint is, is add new countertops and new appliances. So fairly light renovation to be able to to achieve those rent premiums. And so I think that deal is just going to be a, a home run for the, for the investors. I'm really excited to, to see how that plays out. Awesome. Awesome. And would you also share any of your worst or challenging experiences on multifamily deals so far? Yeah, you know, there's just probably quite a few different ways we could go, but you know, I think multifamily is is really it's all about solving problems. It, you know, problems are going to come up. If you can solve problems, you you know, you can make a lot of money. And you know, so so from a problem standpoint, you know, we we do our best at, at the beginning to to really through the due diligence process to understand everything about the property, right? But th there's things that you just that are going to happen that you just can't predict. So so you've got to make sure that you're you're adding you know capital reserves uh, to plan for, for the unexpected. You know, the, one of those things, so so I mentioned water earlier, right? Well, we had a property where, oh, I already kind of told you about this, but we had a water leak, right? And we didn't we didn't identify it um, for weeks. And we got a water bill and the water bill was double, uh, actually it was even close to triple what we had underwritten and what we had seen historically by getting old water bills, right? Because that's, that's how we set the budget. And, you know, that process of, of getting into that and understand we hired a we hired like a leak detection company they charged us an arm and a leg to come out for a half hour to kind of tell us where they thought the problem was and but they didn't really fix anything and so that was kind of money down the drain with the rest of the water right and then we you know we went down and that was kind of the okay we need to spend the premium to to just get this taken care of well they didn't really get it taken care of they thought that they did you know and but as we came back and we were monitoring the water issue still wasn't gone so then we, we went down this path of you know speaking with with different plumbers and different people getting people out nobody could really figure out what, what was going on and, and it wasn't till we we really dug into it unit by unit you know walked each unit listen for leaks you know turned the uh turn the water line off at each unit turned them back on one by one to see where the where the meter was what started to move to really get into that process but i mean that was a learning curve that took a couple of months and so that's one that that you know is a lesson learned that i'll take forward when we talk about leak detection sensors and just that process to go through to really methodically identify that leak and just go into that level at the beginning i think to get on top get right on top of that and not let that run out is is my lesson learned because you know a couple months of of having a water bill that that's double or triple what it should be really impacts your NOI. And so I think that's one thing that you just, you can't pay close enough attention to what's happening uh, with the water on the property. Thank you. Thanks for sharing that. And so what is your current focus and share something you're excited about now, Kent? Yeah. So my current focus is really just, 
you know, standing up Hudson Investing. So, you know, I, I was coming out of a, a partnership. Hudson Investing was a business that I operated in 2019. And, and then as I formed partnership in 2020 and through the beginning of this year, really put that on the shelf. So really bringing that out now, we're a couple of weeks in, we're launching, you know, with a bang. We already have a deal that, that we're raising money for. It's 100, 104 units down in Louisville that, that we're partnering on and, and going to be actively you know, asset managing. So we're excited about that. I mean, and I'm just excited to, uh, to be able to continue to, to engage with, uh, with our investors, continue to, to bring, you know, a ton of value, uh, and allow people to invest in these type of deals and, and just continue to build out Hudson investing in multiple ways, kind of building out the education arm, you know, and just continuing to build the, the thought leadership platform, because I think education is the most important thing in real estate investing and, and the better educated you are, you know, the better investment decisions you're going to make. And so that's really why I do the podcast, why I do my monthly networking event here, here in Indianapolis and, and why I come on other podcasts as well is really you know, hoping that, that people will take my experiences and uh, avoid some, some costly mistakes. Got it. And thank you. So any one advice that impacted you? Yeah, you know, I had some mentors come into my life at, at some pretty critical times over the last, let's say, six years as I was uh, starting my real estate journey. I think one great piece of advice was, you know, don't don't start with single family. Get right to multifamily. It, it's where you're going to want to be anyway. You know, and, and and the advice was really, you know, do the math on how many single family homes you would need to to meet the income that you you need to meet to to get your your own financial freedom. I did that math. That was a lot of houses. And the advice was really, you know, it takes just really the transaction to buy a large multifamily property really is for the most part, the same amount of work as it is to buy really anything, a single family home or, you know, a smaller multifamily. It's just, I mean, the amount of time really is just increased by the number of units to walk and things like that. But as far as the rest of the process, securing debt, all of this, it can largely get easier uh, as you go into multifamily and go into commercial properties. So, so that was great advice. I was able to kind of skip that single family step, get right into multifamily. And then, and then as I was looking, at multifamily, my my thought process was still kind of buy, hold, and be a landlord because that that was really what I knew. I mean, that was how I was approaching, would have approached single, and that was how I approached multi. Well, I had another mentor come in and say, you know, that's not the right approach. You know, if you, if you pour all your money into a property, you end up in the same situation where you have all your eggs in, in one basket. Now it's just in a property, it's tied up. What are you going to do from there? You know, and that person taught me about syndication and say, well, there, there's another way. There's a syndication model where you can actually pool your money with other people. You can go out and buy bigger, better things. You don't have to put all your money in a single deal. It allows you to, to diversify across many deals. And that's when I learned about syndication, I mean, the light bulb just went off. I was like, that makes a ton of sense. I had no idea that, that this was even an opportunity. And, and that really just set me off, you know, on my path. So I think those two critical pieces, you know, put me way ahead of, of where I could be right now. I mean, I, th I think I could be five or 10 years behind had I have locked my, my money up in, you know, whether it's a bunch of single family homes or, or even one multifamily property, you know, uh, versus how I've been able to come and grow my business and, and focus on syndication right away. Got it. So any one personal habit that helping you to be successful? Yeah, personal habit wise, I mean, one of the things that, that I, I do religiously is just meditate every day. And that 
you know, start my morning uh, with meditation. I mean, even if it's just 10 minutes, I mean, most of the time it is just 10 minutes, but that that 10 minutes has a massive impact on the rest of the day. And I, I can feel it in my head and in the clarity of my thoughts. If I, if I don't meditate, you know, things can get really jumbled. You know, a lot of thoughts, a lot of thoughts racing, a lot of things going on. It's tough to prioritize and to see the bigger picture. When I do meditate, even just spending that 10 minutes, it just brings a clarity and a calmness to the rest of my day that, that allows me to be much more effective. And so that's one thing that I think is, is easy for anybody to pick up. I mean, you know, and, and when I say meditate, I mean, it can be, it can mean a lot of different things, but even if you're just sitting down and just taking some conscious deep breaths, just being present in the moment, but it just kind of resets your mind and, and can, can calm things down. And, and I think there's in the, in the world that we're in now where we're just barraged constantly by stimulus and, and information, it's, it's a really, important thing to do i think just just to step back from it all for a minute cool any one book that impacted your life and what way yeah that that's a really good question i mean my favorite book is, is think and grow rich and it's kind of an old classic it, you know it, it was written in the 20s by a guy named napoleon hill and it, it really is if if you read that book it's, it's about mindset setting goals uh, taking action and if you read that book and then hear what a lot of the the folk gurus say whether it, you know tony robbins or, or whoever all the principles come from that book and so you know I, I just like being able to kind of go back to the beginning and and hear it straight from from the start. And so that book has had a big impact on my life. I mean, the, the biggest I think, takeaway just being that you know thoughts thoughts are things, and and that nothing has ever been created that wasn't a thought first. And so your thoughts and how you think drives everything. And if you can think and focus on the right things, you're going to take the right actions. So true. Yeah. So and how are you giving back to community, Kent? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, I personally, we do, we do a fair amount of, of donating, but, um, you know, outside of that, f from a multifamily kind of community standpoint, the way that, that I am really trying to give back is just with, with my time and being available for others who are, who are starting out and in a place that I was. And I, as I mentioned, I benefited from some mentorship at some key moments in my life that have set my career off. And so I really try to do the same. And so people reach out to me, you know, whether it's through my monthly meetup, have people come to the meetup with all kinds of questions, taking the time to answer that, or people that find me on LinkedIn and, and reach out to me one-on-one -on -one and ju just making the time and making sure that I have pockets of my schedule. I try to leave some pockets of my schedule each week open for those types of calls. Because uh, if I can come in and I can give advice, and, you know, and I can help somebody avoid a costly mistake and send them down the path, you know, I, I just think that's a great thing to, to help others by, you know, learning from your own experience. So a lot of it is giving back time. Great, great. Yeah. And how can listeners can connect with you? Sure. So, you know, you can go to my website, kentritter.com. That's my home base. You can see my podcast, blog. There's some passive investor resources there. And you can learn more about me. You can sign up to be an investor or for our newsletter, all on the website. From there, I'd say you can uh, listen to the podcast. It's Ritter on Real Estate. And it's anywhere that you can listen to podcasts. I'm on all the platforms. And uh, we bring on guests, like I said, passively invest like a pro to learn just how to do that. Learn the tips from the pros, right? And focus on how do we make good investment decisions. And Lastly, uh, I'm very active on social media. If you want to find me on LinkedIn or Instagram, you can find me. It's Ritter on Real Estate on Instagram. It's Kent Ritter on LinkedIn. Send me a message. Be happy to chat. 
Awesome. And thank you, Kent. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you for adding value to the show. Yeah, thanks, Rama. I appreciate you inviting me on. It was a great way to start the day. Sure. Thank you. If you like the show, please subscribe, share, rate, and review. And if you want to connect with me, please send me a message, info at ushacapital.com. Thank you for listening. Creating Wealth Through Passive Apartment Investing Podcast. I hope you learned something from the show. See you in the next episode. Thank you. Any information provided from these shows are educational purpose only. As always, please consult with your own CPA, legal and financial advisor before investing.